0: Whether you're a competitor or trying to lose weight just for a lifestyle change and to look better and feel better, dieting is hard. And I think a lot of people go into this thinking that they are going to jump into a lower calorie state, it's gonna be a breeze, and and they're gonna come out of it um, just fine. But you know, I speak with Cliff Wilson, who is my coach and also a professional natural bodybuilder and one of the top physique coaches in the industry. And we talk about for again, both competitors and lifestyle clients, just what it takes to mentally be ready for a dieting phase. Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things fitness and business. I left my career as a TV reporter after 10 years to start my own fitness coaching company. I was so tired of seeing people struggle with disordered eating and misguided weight loss information. Think of this as your one-stop shop for training, nutrition, and success while navigating through life. Grab a cup of coffee, get cozy, and get ready to learn and laugh. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Do you know what today is?
1: No.
2: It's our, t- it's our it's our 2-year anniversary of working together. <laughs>
1: Time flies, geez.
2: I know. I didn't plan it, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, my God, I have been working with you for two years. So what a time to do this podcast. Right.
1: Um, we started working together shortly after Monroe was born.
2: I know, yeah. And you were like, it's going to be a few weeks, but I'm going to get you macros right away. Um, we'll start working together in June. Yeah, I remember. I was like blessed. No, it was a good um Definitely I can tell I've grown in two years. So props to you and working together. It's been fun. So, um, you know, we've already talked about this, but I know you get um, a lot of clients who uh, mindset is always the focus, right? Like you deal with a lot of very intense competitors, um, tons of pro cards under you, including world champion titles. So I know you are very familiar with this. And of course, like your social media presence, you talk a ton about diet and the mindset, but do you want to just kind of talk about how important it is before you go into a dieting phase? And if you guys are tuning in, we are going to talk about both lifestyle clients and competition prep, okay? So we're going to make sure that we encompass kind of all of it. But talk a little bit about just how important it is to mentally prepare yourself um, before you kind of jump into a dieting phase.
1: Um, Yeah. You know, it, it really, I genuinely think as a coach, it's about half of what I do uh you know i i I know a lot of people when they think coaches they think oh they just lay out your diet and your training but i genuinely think about half of what i do is making sure that somebody is prepared mentally to be able to take on the challenge of what they're going to do um because i think there are a significant portion of people that they already know what to do but they find themselves failing over and over and over again because of all the mental pitfalls um so some things that I look for when I want to know if somebody is actually mentally ready. Um, I guess I would say, first of all, I try to look for um, stability. Uh, If if they are already having trouble sticking to their diet, when they haven't even started started cutting calories yet, then I know it's going to be a complete disaster if we start cutting calories. I'm sure as a coach, you've seen the same thing over and over. Is that correct?
2: That's what I see, too. You know, I mean, for my lifestyle clients, what I find to be the most frustrating, and maybe you have a solution for this or some advice, but I will get a girl or or a guy who comes to me, typical situation, they're under eating, they don't realize it, or maybe they do realize it. They're afraid to go through a proper reverse dieting protocol, right? So we spend time going through reverse, and they're finally getting up to that, you know, 2,100, 23, 2,300, you know, sweet spot, talking about a female in particular. And then that's almost when they start to jump off because they're like, oh, my God, I'm eating so much, right? And their first thing is like, oh, my God, the scale went up half a, half a pound, I'm freaking out. And that kind of, like, gives them that downward spiral where they start either, like, hoarding macros or binging or, you know, they don't track for a few days. And then I find out that it was kind of, like, one of those spirals, you know what I mean? And they think, I'm just so ready to diet. Once I start dieting, I'm totally going to be adherent. And that's certainly the case. Your take?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, you, you said something like they were afraid to start cutting the calories. I, you know, y, y, when you said that, it kind of sparked the, the big thing that I look for from a mentality perspective of whether or not somebody is ready to diet is uh, are they on an emotional level when we're starting? So I don't want to see somebody who is stressed out about cutting calories. You know, you've been in situations where people get, they've had bad dieting experiences in the past and they're kind of already nervous about what's going to happen. Um, I want to, I want to, I want them to feel in control of their diet before we begin dieting. Um, and so I don't want to see somebody that is, um, trying to cut calories as this as an emotional reaction to, like you said, especially for a lot of my, um, like bikini competitor clients, um, they don't want to get to a comfortable spot in the off-season. I know that's a big one you and I have talked about a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Most of my bikini competitors, it's, it's so funny. Men and women both have mental pitfalls in their in their process of dieting and training, but it's like the opposite end of the spectrum. If you tell, if you tell uh, a, a, a male he's looking, hey, you're looking big, like, oh, thanks. You tell a, a female competitor that, no, they don't want to hear Oh, that.
2: no, no, yeah, don't tell me that.
1: <laughs> tell a guy who's looking thin, he doesn't want to hear that. You know what I mean? So um, I think that um, the biggest thing is, like, I don't want to see these diets, whether it be a contest prep or just a regular, just cutting a few pounds, I don't want it to be this big reactionary measure due to, um, being nervous about the way you currently look. And so um, I, I want to see people be in a comfortable spot and comfortable with their food intake and not feeling um, feeling uh, discomfort with anything when we start to cut. Because ultimately, uh, as, as you know, when you start removing food, which is such a base need of, of for human beings, when you start removing food, any emotions that you're already struggling with become amplified as food starts to disappear you know that yes
2: yes Um, and what I find with my lifestyle clients um, is you know or even like my power lifters who are cutting for weight um, you know I pretty much just coach, you know macros I have a few clients who do other methods but primarily I'm a macro coach and people still want to follow that flexible dieting approach but when, it's, when you are dieting and your calories get limited, you know, you and I have joked about it. Like, I get so sad when I can't have a protein bar anymore, and you're like, what, Taylor? You know, but, like, those little things are kind of like my sweet craving fixes, but they go away, right? And so people still try to, like, make things fit that are not nutritionally sound. Um, they're not voluminous. They're not keeping you full. So, you know, I find that to be a problem as well as like macro hoarding, people start to struggle with meal timing. They're like, you know what? I still want to keep this in. So I'm going to eat super low carb my first meal. I'm going to hoard a bunch of carbs for the end of the day. They're all going to be like highly palatable, you know, typically like those fun foods. Um, and, And that goes for competitors too. I think that especially if it's your first time competing, you think, oh, cool. I'm going to do this like flexible dieting approach. I don't have a meal plan. But what people don't realize is, even though you don't have a meal plan like my meals especially going through prep the you know the second time through and having another long prep unintentionally um you know i'm eating the same foods for every meal give or take a few protein source swaps or things like that you know
1: well yeah and you know that you you said something also that kind of sparked uh you know another big uh uh, red flag that I look for when I, I try to decide if someone's ready to diet or not. Um, I would refer to it as hyper-motivation. Um, I oftentimes am a little uh, – I count it as a red flag if I see a client that seems to be overly motivated at the start of the process. Uh, ha- have you ever seen it where you have somebody and they're saying all the right things? Like, I want this so badly. I want it more than anything. I'll do anything you tell me to get this. It's the most important thing in my life right now. Um, but you can't sustain that level of motivation. And usually, when I see somebody that has what I would refer to as hyper, somebody is hyper motivated. Um, they crash really hard, uh, and you know they they may crash halfway through the process, and then they can't get anything back, anything going again. Um, and usually, I do think it's because they are are motivated by the wrong things. And um, so I I would say I look for someone, once again, who's just really steady at the start of it. And if somebody is hyper-motivated, so if if I'm working with somebody and they're hyper-motivated to finally work with competitors they say, I want to step on stage, I want to win this show, you know, this is the most important thing to me right now, I will actually talk them out of competing right away because I want to work with them for a little bit to study them out before we actually start the process so they don't crash later. (laughs)
2: That's something that I am working through right now with one of my clients. Um, She came to me with a tendency of binge eating. Um, Nothing so severe that she was seeing a therapist for, but I do think that would be beneficial at this point. But she had never done a proper reverse diet. She did have a history of tracking macros, but we spent um, eight months doing a, a very steady reverse, super successful. She crushed it. And you know, she was like, man, I'm just getting uncomfortable. I'm ready to diet. And I, I felt comfortable doing that. And she was doing well, but about six weeks in, things start to get sticky, or maybe eight weeks in, things started to get sticky, and she fell right back into those binging habits. And I was like, okay, we've got to take a break. We've got to reassess. We've got to do at least a little bit of a diet break and kind of give you some more food. Um, but you're right. And we went into that diet, and she is somebody who, you know, is super motivated in life. She crushes it at her job um and she wanted to lose weight and she's somebody that is very lean very muscular as it is so she didn't really have much weight or body fat to lose and again she came to me never wanting to compete and now kind of being with me for a while she's now like you know I think maybe a long term goal I do want to compete but the sole reason is simply for weight loss and that is a red flag to me for sure as well and it is challenging to work with clients like that because guys if you've never done a show or you have it in your head that you want to do a show but you hate posing or you hate pageants or you hate the production you are going to fail and fall on your ass because that is the whole entire process it is not about getting shredded because You know, like, you are super shredded for that one day, and it's like if you think of a pyramid, that is the very, very peak of it, right? But you can't sustain the peak, you know? Um, And to be honest, you look kind of like shit in regular clothes when you're that lean. You don't feel good. You're cold. You're hungry as shit all the time, you know? I mean... So that is pretty scary and dicey when you get a client who you think might be ready and you try it and then you find out, you know, a few months in, oh, man, we still have a few things to work on.
1: So you, you nailed it. and I think um, I think it's so funny, too, because I, I think a lot of people see bikini competitors on Instagram. It's really glamorous. They're like, oh, <laughs> they look great. <laughs> it's like they're swimming in their shirts. They're falling off of them. Family members think, <laughs> Family members and friends stop saying things like "You look so good," and start saying things like, "Are you okay um, you know they, they, it, it you don't necessarily look healthy in your life
2: no, uh, you don't
1: you you don't and and so that uh, to scare people away, but it is a grueling process to get on stage so generally uh when I work with people, I want to make sure that they are um you know they have this steel mentality because they're about to they're about to go through some shit <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, so like during that diet phase, and we've kind of been talking about it already, but I do want to bring up, um, mid diet course correcting, right? So going back to the point of, you know, you working with bikini girls, I think a lot of bikini girls get into the sport because they have a history of, uh, eating disorders. I would say bodybuilding more than any other sport, has kind of that tendency right whether it be before the show or maybe after the show certain tendencies come back but during prep if you are midway through how many times have you had to kind of course correct or have you seen um like where a competitor maybe binge eats, didn't mean to maybe it's her refeed day and she's like oh maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna try to eat, eat like half of a pancake from ihop or something and that kind of just like is a spiral downward or like the spoon into the peanut butter and that becomes Six tablespoons instead of one. You know, like, what do you do in that moment, and what's your experience with that?
1: Well, I would say um, for first-time competitors, uh, I would say that's a normal occurrence. For, um, uh, for are you still there? Yep. Okay, lost you for a second. Um, for first-time competitors, um, I think a lot of first-time competitors have it in their head that they're just going to breathe through this first prep. And they're going to show everybody how badly they want it. But I don't think they're always prepared for the fact that they're going to mess up on their diet. Um, because as you've seen, it, it can really uh, spiral out of control the first time you get to taste something that you haven't had in quite some time. And so um, so now for more advanced competitors, they're usually used to these pitfalls. So when I'm working with competitors, the first thing I want them to know is um, this is not an absolute failure on their part um, it, it is a it is a uh, sidetrack from where we are trying to go but the the, the the shame spiral that often happens does not need to occur so generally I try to um, first off let them know that what has happened here is not abnormal in any way but now we need to get back on track as soon as possible and so what I try to do uh, is typically try to identify the behavior for the yes. that led up to that moment, because exactly. um, it's it, there, it isn't always just oh, I, this this you know this cheeseburger just made its way into my mouth.
2: <laughs> 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 and
1: there was there were events that led up to it, um, to the moment you decided to go for it and have the cheeseburger. Uh, there okay. were points along the way that led to that feeling. Um, Usually it's things like you went too long between meals, Uh, you maybe didn't have your next meal prepared or with you, Uh, you know, you let um, negative emotion, maybe somebody said something to you or you had an argument with a family member and you got to the point of just saying screw it. So I try to identify what led up to that moment of saying screw it, I'm going to have this cheeseburger and then we try to identify those, those patterns and then interrupt them in the future. And you know,
2: you, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. And I was going to add that, you know, you gave the cheeseburger example. I find with a lot of women, they have it in their head that, okay, I'm dieting, eating out at restaurants starts to get a little challenging. Maybe you don't want to be the friend who always gets like the grilled chicken breast or whatever. Um, Which let me just say right now, guys, if you are dieting and it is for a lifestyle choice, right, and not competing, A diet phase is not forever. And I think everybody comes into this for the first time thinking they've spent their life perpetually dieting. But you should spend a lot more time in a maintenance phase or reversing or whatever than you ever should dieting. So, you know, just know that for 8 to 16 weeks, whatever your goals might be, you've got to say no to a few things. But what I find is instead of having, like, those screw-it moments at a restaurant, it's almost like, oh, hey, I got this really fun nuts and more peanut butter I'm going to put a little bit on my toast. Oh, shit, three tablespoons later, and then a little bit later you want another tablespoon, and it starts to be things that are just in your house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's usually those things that – so, I mean, I guess a perfect example I can give of this is – so, I – early on in my coaching career, this was was back in 2011, I believe, maybe 2012, um, I was – not as familiar with um, some of the psychology aspects as well as dealing with eating disorders, and I had a figure client who was um, primed and ready to win a pro card, uh, and it was Tuesday. The show was on Saturday, and Tuesday evening I get a call, and she's like, "I just messed up so bad," and I'm oh, like, no. "Like well, what? What happened?" I'm like, "She's like, she's like, well, uh, she's like." I cheated on my diet, and I thought, well, maybe she has like some pizza or you know a. Bread on that. And I was I was still new at that point, and she's like, well, it was just pretty much whatever I had in my house. So I was trying to calculate also what the damage was, you know, and so right. and so she's like, well, I had three breadsticks that were left over from Olive Garden. I had a half a jar of frosting, a half a bottle, of, <laughs> a half a bottle of wine. Uh, <laughs> Two cookies and a packet of oatmeal. And I'm
2: like. A packet of oatmeal. That's the best.
1: (laughs) I'm like, that that meal was all over the place. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you need to know that in those weak moments, whatever is in your fridge or your pantry are fair game. Um, And so uh, I think it's like, um, one, sometimes making those things a little bit you know, it may not be easy, especially if you have, like, kids or, you know, a husband or a wife, and you know, but sometimes making those things even a little bit harder to access um, can even give you a few more minutes to, like, snap out of it. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of things where it's, like, those, having those easy foods that are, I would say, trigger foods for some people, maybe get yes. them directly in front of you all the time.
0: I
2: mean, something that I do um... – You know, I will say, fortunately, Cliff, I I never had a, like, moment like that during prep, Um, this one or last one. I've always been very open during our diet breaks or whatever, like, hey, is it cool if I have a burger and some fries? And you're like, yep, okay, cool. Um, And that's something that I've worked on a lot because, you know, I am very open about having a history of, um, you know, anorexia, bulimia, and that was, you know, 15 years ago, but my first prep was truly a test for me to make sure that I could see my body that lean, come out of it, reverse diet, not have any binges, and I'm proud to say that I was able to. But one of the things that I did was, you know, in my off season, I'll have a Pop-Tart here and there or an Oreo or whatever. I just put all of that, like, in a very top shelf in my kitchen, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Um, If it's something that could be like frozen, like some treats or whatever, you know, after my show, I like to order something fun from these crazy cookie companies that are everywhere. And, and I don't eat all of them post-show. I'll save some, but like I just hide them in my freezer and it's out of sight, out of mind versus if they're like right there in the front of your freezer, you open up to grab some chicken breast and you're like, Oh, this really good brownies right here. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's all about just like, your history, what you're comfortable with, but if you know that even having a package of Oreos in your house is too much for you or, like, your favorite cereal, because, again, it's not like you're going to go out and buy a frozen pizza, but I find that a lot of people, the closer and closer they get to the end of their diet, um, whether it be competition or not, they start hoarding these foods, and that is a horrible idea.
1: Oh, yeah. I, 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 one of the biggest red flags that I see I don't work the general population anymore, but I did in my very early, early days of coaching. Um, but with con- competitors, one of the biggest red flags that I see when they're dieting, and I know you know what I'm talking about, is the people that save up the foods that they're going to eat post-diet.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no,
1: no. But free buying or, like, have a list of things. Uh-huh,
2: now, uh-huh.
1: I'm like, this is somebody that, um, one, if you already have – if you're already – like you said, like, stockpiling these, um, they're already a danger to you binging on them during the diet. And then, secondarily, if you somehow miraculously make it through to the end of the trap or the diet, as soon as it's over, you're about to have some (laughs) problems.
2: And I want to, you know, make just some distinctions really fast in case you're like, oh, my God, do I do this? Do I not do this? So, To me, as somebody that did struggle with this, binge eating is always in private. It is usually something where you feel like you black out and can't control yourself. You know that you shouldn't, but you keep doing it. If you are somebody that's like, hey, my show is ending because this is what I do. All of my friends are, like, very supportive of everything that I do, and we all are like, okay, what company should we order cookies from for this show or whatever, right? And we all get together, we have a meal, and we share dessert. That is normal, guys. If you are going into a meal knowing that you're probably going to overeat a little bit, you're going to be full, whatever, that's fine. It is okay to overindulge from time to time, especially after something like a, a show. What's important, though, is that the next day, or the Monday after your show, rather, that you don't keep doing that. You get back on track with whatever you and your coach have set.
1: Yeah. You know, you brought a great point of what is normal versus not. And I think when it comes to eating disorders, Uh, something that's really interesting to me is it's hard to classify what is an eating disorder sometimes because, because uh, you and I, you know, you and I, I would say in our own competitive endeavors, we have our, our, we have balanced pretty well down at this point. Like you said, you can be in contest prep and you can enjoy a cheeseburger and estimate it. And, you know, I can work in some foods into my own contest prep, but you know, meanwhile, the, the person that is not in bodybuilding would look at me measuring my ice cream to the gram and be like, this guy has a problem.
2: <laughs> but,
1: yeah. But so so uh, the definition of what is disordered eating, I think, um, I, I would say there's some flexibility there, but I think there has to be some level of being able to be comfortable with what you're doing. And, and a perfect example is I worked with um, with a figure competitor one time who She emailed me early on in her contest stop and said, "I just need to let you know I just binged so bad." And I said, "You know, as always, I said, you know, don't worry, we'll get it back on track." But I need to know, you know, what did you eat? And once, you know, once again, I kind of, I kind of usually like, like a, like a detective, I try to dissect the crime scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, like, you know, how many calories did you go over? And uh, she only went over. 250 uh, calories. Oh,
2: well, that's nothing. I mean, that's not 100, of course, correct? No,
1: no, no. And I told her, I go, that's not, you know, that's a caloric overage, but that is so far from a binge. Um, You know, so I think think terminology and, um, you know, trying to be honest with oneself with what is healthy behavior or unhealthy behavior. Because, um, and and I think that this is always a little bit of a journey of self-discovery without sounding too cheesy here. But, um, you know, for an example, the the girl that told me she binged and going over 250 calories, she had a history of um, over-restriction before she came to me. And so I needed to show her that the 250-calorie overage is not a binge and not anything to be ashamed of, you know. Um. It, yeah, in a contest prep setting, maybe it's not necessarily what we want, but it's not so severe that it would be labeled as a binge. Um, no. So, and so no. So in that case, um, you know, it, it's. I think you know, it's our job as coaches to tell her, hey, you can ease up on yourself a little bit. You don't need to beat yourself up over this. And meanwhile, then sometimes we get someone the other way, where they will show very what is I, I believe truly binge type behavior, where they will eat. You know, like you said, in private, eat a whole, you know, eat excessive amounts, um, and then they try to rationalize it away as not, not a big deal. So I think sometimes it helps to have like an outside perspective to kind of um, lay a little framework for what is happening and how they're viewing it. If if, if, um, I'm not sure if you tend to do that with some of your clients, where they almost seem to have mislabels on things.
2: Um, I have clients who I think. Are pretty self-aware fortunately what sometimes happen what I struggle with sometimes is not getting the email right away but like hey I messed up how can we course correct it's almost like during our weekly check-ins they are like yeah on you know Wednesday I kind of had XYZ happen it's like you know I think that for you and having competitors they're probably so you, know, you probably deal with people checking in more than they probably should. You know what I mean? Or, or frequently. I know that I email you random questions throughout the week sometimes. Um, but you know, for me, I just want everyone to know that if you are working with a coach and they are not accessible to you, whether it be via email or whatever they use, you know, that's a problem too. And you should never feel like you are disappointing your coach because I know that I do not expect perfection because I am not perfect. I know you are the same way, Um, and we are coaching you because we've likely, uh, I I can say this at least, I've been in that position, right, where, you know, I remember my very first diet, and I'm not talking about a contest press, but I remember my very first diet um, with Lane Norton, and we reversed for a long time. I had never done a successful reverse, and my first diet was not perfect. I kept in a lot of fun foods. Um, I had a very hard time between structured refeeds and untracked meals, Um, you know, but I think it's just a learning process, and know that your first time is not going to be perfect, but that's why you hired us, you know, to work with you, Um, and I think having a coach for a dieting phase is super beneficial, for sure, especially if you're somebody that um, does have any history of an eating disorder, you know, not saying that we are, you know, License to help you with therapy, but if you have tendencies of binging or you struggle with food phobias, food anxiety, it's so important to work with somebody who can kind of coach you through that, hold your hand, uh, catch you when you fall, troubleshoot, and course
0: correct.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, you nailed it too. Is like, uh, I I think that with some, you know, so we're not trying to say like, oh, we're here to counsel you with eating disorder issues, but I think that I think that a lot of people do find. I think a lot of general population and and even more so in the bodybuilding community is that um, a lot of people find this sport and they they do have slight views on, on food intake and everybody struggles with excess when it comes to food. Um, And so I think that, you know, as coaches, we can sometimes provide perspective it's kind of the same way we do with training and nutrition. Uh, If, if somebody has a slight injury or a slight muscle strain, we can sometimes talk them through it. But sometimes just, you know, that, that strain might be a tear. We're not going to start prescribing what they need to do. We say, hey. No. You know. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's um, it's one of those things where uh, oftentimes we can kind of help people manage the little ins and outs until it reaches a certain critical point where we would recommend someone um, seek out. But I do think it's just very interesting, too, because, um, you know, we can talk about all these experiences of different light with the spare tire around his midsection and so <laughs> that's like when i am dieting for a contest um i know the, the logical me knows i need to get to a certain look and a certain weight but there's always this voice in the back of my head that says you're getting too skinny um you know once i see that number getting really low on the scale i'm like you're getting you know this, this number shouldn't be this low And so it's like this voice in the back of your head that sometimes debates what you know is logical. So I think sometimes you need to learn to shut that voice out or, you know, say something to yourself that's counter to it.
2: I agree. I mean, dieting truly is um, a very, very, you know, you're in your head a lot, right? And um, especially if you are taking it seriously because I think we've spent um, so much of our time, Um, maybe not personally, but just reading about fad diets. I mean, since I was, you know, a preteen, I remember, you know, magazines telling me to do three-day cleanses and detoxes and all of that. And I think that people really don't understand that, you know, anytime you're trying to lose weight, your body is doing everything it can to fight that, right? Like your body doesn't love that process. And so um, understanding that it is going to take some time and understanding that you really have to embrace the suck um, and that this isn't something that is going to last forever, right? And that's kind of what what made me think about this podcast being so important initially is that people go into this dieting phase and think it's like some impending doom, you know? I mean, yeah, like prep is different than a lifestyle diet, but it's still hard, you know, you still have to say no sometimes to dessert or you have to say you want a, a grilled piece of chicken instead of something that's breaded or fried or that burger, right? Maybe not all of the time, but a lot of the time and those habits and that mindset really is built in your off season. I'm going to call it an off season, even if you are not a competitor, but um, anything you want to say about just kind of like the challenges of dieting and the fact that, you know, even if you think you're ready, get get ready because you never know. And never, no diet is predictable.
1: Oh yeah. I, I, it, but side note, by the way, uh, you mentioned about the magazines and the fad diet. I genuinely think one of the world most carnival things are the magazines in line at the grocery store.
2: Oh, uh, my God.
1: I, I Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out one magazine in particular. I hope you don't get <laughs> to it. But the Woman's World magazine. Have you ever seen that one? Women's yes,
2: world. it's sad.
1: It's always like, lose 30 pounds in seven days.
2: We're like, wow, this is cool. We all be shredded if this works.
1: (laughs) That one is the worst. Every time time I'm in the grocery store, I pick it up, and (laughs) I'm like, this is just total garbage. I feel like I just want to take them and hide the stack in the back of the rack just so nobody – Oh, I
2: know.
1: Um, I know. No, no. um, It's okay. So I I hope I don't go too deep here with it. Um, But one of the things that I like to see, and I can pick this up usually with working with people – Um, because, you know, as someone's coach, I, when they check in with me, um, I pick up things about what's going on in their life. And, and you can tell even with a lot of the tone of things. Um, and, uh, and so I guess, uh, now without going too deep into the psychology, um, there's something as far as like motivations called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it says like human beings have all of these things that we need in life to feel fulfilled. And um, one of the things that I want to see is have a lot of my clients have a lot of these needs met and fulfilled. Um, now, the reason that may sound that may sound crazy because you know as my, as as a diet coach, why should I care if you have a a job that you're happy with or relationships that are good or friends? Because once we start removing one of the base needs uh, that human beings need are is uh, food. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. during a contest stop or just a diet in general, we are moving, removing one of the base human needs, which yep. is food. And so the problem is it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the game Jenga where mm-hmm. if you're removing a lot of base pieces. Um, yeah, we're removing one. So the other pieces of the puzzle need to really be in place. Um, and uh, a lot of times when people go through, I'm going to use an example, a lot of times when people go through these diet phases, they have a tendency to, like, shut all their friends and their family out because they're like, I'm dieting. You know, I need to stay at home and, you know, really focus on my diet.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> oh, good. So we're removing calories from your diet. You've taken the extra step of moving um, uh, social needs as well as, like, love <laughs>
2: from, from your
1: diet. Yeah. Um, Well, it doesn't mean going out with your friends every weekend and, you know, being around, but I think it's still possible to go out with your friends and maybe just have a little bit more calorie conscious meal and you can still get those social needs met or you can call your mom or, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah,
2: and I've noticed that during quarantine, right? Like, I have some clients that went into a diet. I mean, I was prepping during COVID and then you take out or you add in, like, the isolation factor. so. You know, you're already dieting, and then you're like, oh, my God, the gym is gone, My happiness. Oh, my God, my friends, I can't see them. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Um, I had a trip planned to go home to Texas, and I'm in Ohio, so that's challenging. I can't just drive to Texas. Um, So, no, that's totally important to bring up, and it doesn't sound crazy because I think as online coaches, and not to get too sidetracked, there's so many of us now Um, So it it takes a lot more to stand out in the crowd, and one of those ways of standing out is we don't just word vomit macros every week, you know? I mean, we give thorough check-ins. We want to know how you're doing. How is your sleep? How is your stress? How is your job? If my client loses a job or loses a family member a significant other, you know, that's probably not the time I'm going to say, cool, let's diet, you know? I mean, you have to take all of those things into consideration because at the end of the day... We're all humans, and we build relationships with our clients. Obviously, we have boundaries, but, you know, we want our clients to trust us, to be able to tell us anything, and we want them to succeed because that means we are succeeding.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, so um, one thing that I do personally, and people that tend to struggle with diet, my clients that tend to struggle with diets, I tell them to do this as well. But before they embark on a dieting Journey, <laughs> I, I, I say I want you to take stock of all the joys in your life, all of the things that bring you joy. Um, you know, it could be because, you know, food is a source of joy for all of us, of course. Yes. But we're, we're going to be reducing that. Um, and so, you know, it could be spending time with your significant other. It could be hanging out with your kids. It could be something small like a video game. That you play, or you know, uh, puzzles on your phone, or whatever reading. Um, and I always tell people take stock of all of those joys that you normally have on a daily basis. And so, we're going to be removing one of those joys, food. You need to pull the other ones closer uh, because you. I think all of us have a certain quota of joy throughout the day that we have to hit to feel comfortable, and you're going to have to make up for the deficit that we're creating here. Um, And, you know, even so, if I can give a quick example, I would say the furthest I've ever gone with this as a coach is that I had a, he was was a male client, but um, he um, was very serious about his bodybuilding. And he was all in on bodybuilding, and he he had kind of convinced himself that he needed to only do bodybuilding to be successful. And um, he was working at a supplement store, and i was and i knew he had a degree in engineering and i was like why are you still working at the supplement store uh, i had been coaching him for a year and a half at a time and he continued to cheat on his diet but had ups and downs in his training and bodybuilding was really the only joy in his life and i said you know i said why are you still working at a supplement store he goes because i get the discounts on the supplements <laughs> and i said well if you got a higher paying job that wouldn't be an issue anymore and i said you need to go find a job that you actually enjoy because he didn't enjoy this, the the job itself. I kept kind of kept kind of putting it off and putting it off. And I, so finally, I just said, if you could work anywhere, like your dream job, where would it be? Um, and up until this point, we had actually tried to prep once before, but he couldn't stop eating on the diet to get himself to show. And we had we had squashed at that point. And he said um, he said Boeing. He would like to work at Boeing. Yeah. And so I said I said all right man. I go I'm putting I'm putting down the I'm, I'm putting it down here. I said I don't care if you get it. I need you to fill out an application at Boeing. <laughs> and I said you're not. <laughs> I said I'm not making any more diet changes for you unless I see that application. And <laughs> so um, I made him send me screenshots of the application. and He sent it in, and he got the job two weeks later.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: what do
1: you know once he has a job that he finds fulfilling um and provided him with challenges outside of bodybuilding the diet struggles just sort of went away um you know it wasn't immediate but over the course of the next few months things just got better and better and better and what do you know and then he does it he he goes out and wins two of his next three shows and wins his natural bodybuilding pro card and the only thing that really changed was he had something else in his life besides bodybuilding. And so I think that, um, you know, it, it was something that took his mind off the food and everything else, because I, I think that becomes a real big pitfall, even for, even for non-competitors you've seen. I'm sure you, I, do you see this with your own competitors? That are- Well, I
2: can relate to that story personally. <laughs> I mean, like our first prep, I was in a job that I hated, you know, I thought that I loved it, but I didn't. Like I was a TV reporter, you know, And two years later, we're doing our second prep, and I have my own company now. So it's like, (laughs) what? Um, No, I do see that, though, um, with some gen pop clients. And and I think that it's maybe not the job exactly, but um, they think that when a diet starts and when food is limited, um, they have to cut out social aspects entirely. And I think that it is... um, Challenging at first to be the person that goes to the bar and maybe gets one drink and stops, right? Because of the social pressures. But I will say, guys, if you have friends that get you, love you, understand you, your friends should never pressure you to go against your goals. They should always be supportive, you know? And and that's something that I'm very fortunate to have now because I've been in the situations where I was cutting weight for powerlifting or whatever, and I would get those social pressures. Um, but now my friends are just like, oh, no, Taylor's dying. Like, they don't even ask me. They don't think twice about it. They just know. So I think having the right people in your corner is very, very, very beneficial, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, and you're right. I think that if your friends recognize you're serious about it, then they should be serious about it, too. I I, I actually saw something one time. You know, we all know Dennis Rodman. Um, he actually, for the first part of his you know he's such a big partier now but for the first part of his um nba career when he was winning like defensive player of the year he didn't drink at all and um his teammates said that they would go off to the club and he would order milk of all things um and, <laughs> <laughs> and like um you know and, and they said that they never really discouraged him from it because they understood you know that was important to him. so i think that um you know surrounding yourself with the people that are going to take your goals uh, the things that are are important to you should be important to the people you yourself with and so um no and and i just think you know especially um with you know i'm not i'm far from an expert on general population but i guess you could you could tell me on this i think that with general population um they don't tend to enjoy the training the same way that competitors do competitors really love going to the gym where i think general population is usually a little more something they tolerate um and so you know i think that for them um Food is a lot more of a social joy for for general population people and competitors. So I can I see why that would be a, an issue once that's approved.
2: Yes. No, for sure. You, you nailed it. And, of course, I think um, I am somebody that fortunately kind of built that social media presence around having an expertise in compound lifts, strength training, things like that prior to me starting. So I do get um, – clients that are already in the gym, maybe they just want some help with their diet so that their training isn't, I don't want to say a waste of time, but of course, if you're busting your ass in the gym, you want to make sure your nutrition is as on point as it can be, because that's only going to make everything so much better. Um, but you're right. The dieting component is a lot harder for a lifestyle client because there's nothing at the end of the road, right? Like the only motivator is, okay, I'm going to lose weight. And people think that that's all it takes, but I am telling you guys, like, if you were trying to lose weight, Why? Is it to be healthier? Is it to be able to run in the yard with your kids? Is it because you do want to compete and step on stage? Um, because at the end of the day, just simply wanting to look better is not going to get you the weight loss that you want.
1: No, no. It, 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 um, that's a great point. Because, um you know, and I apologize if I keep going down sometimes the psychology rabbit hole, but actually, you know, I'm somebody that I would say I read as much psychology research as I do diet and training.
2: Yes, uh, same.
1: That important. And so, um, you know, I think another factor that is often left out is that um, this isn't a whole picture of motivation, but it's part of it. Is motivation is sort of a um, an economic transaction with oneself um, because uh, – you know, it is what do we want and what are we willing to pay, what cost are we willing to pay in order to get it? Um, and I, I've been, you know, as you know, uh, you know, I, I've been mentioned it, but I've been slowly working on a new book that has to do with that. And, and one, um, one analogy I say is if I came to you and I said, hey, Taylor, I'll give you uh, $10 for 10 minutes of work. And you say, okay, cool. Well, well what do you need? And I say, can you jog on this treadmill for 10 minutes? And you'd be like, oh, easy money. No problem. Uh, but if I come back to you and I say, you know, here, okay, $10 for 10 minutes of work, but you have to endure 10 minutes of torture. You'd be like, well, mm-hmm. hell no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the outcome is still the same. The only thing that's changed is what the cost you would have to pay to get it. Um, so I think sometimes people, they see these outcomes, you know, the outcome being uh, me on stage or, you know, a skinny version of me. Um, but they don't really weigh beforehand the cost of getting that outcome, if you say
2: Exactly. And the cost of getting that outcome, too, if you look at the big picture, because everybody is so hyper-focused on the day-to-day, and I know that you can relate whether you're a competitor or not. Everyone is like day-to-day versus, you know, a period of time. Um, And people don't understand how important, you know, the this is kind of my transition, but the post-dieting phase is, right? So let's say you get through your dieting phase, competition prep, lifestyle, whatever it is, you've reached your goal, whether that be stage or a number or a feeling, whatever it is, Um, you know, my first tip is always to say listen I understand everybody wants to have some celebratory meal that's fine if it is somebody that has a history of binge eating I will give them guidelines something that you said to me one time that really stuck with me is you know you don't want to have something that has an endless amount right so your example for me was like go have a burger and fries you can't you're not going to eat three burgers and fries right because you order one thing and it's done um, I would advise you not to go to, like, a buffet. I would advise you not to order pizza where you can just keep eating slice after slice after slice because at the end of the dieting phase, your body is way more susceptible to fat gain, right? You, your metabolism is a little bit different um, because your maintenance is different. You're a leaner physique. So, And I also would not encourage anybody to go on a vacation <laughs> right after a diet um, because again, what I just said, chances are if you're on vacation, you're likely not going to be eating, you know, minimal calories. You're going to want to enjoy the drinks, enjoy the food wherever you're going. Um, but you know, what what are your thoughts on kind of like the immediate post diet phase? Whether you know, for competitors, I'll say.
1: Oh man, the, the immediate post diet phase is, in my opinion, the hardest part of the whole thing. Yes. Um. And. I, you are correct, and, and I, I guess I would say the biggest thing I want, want my clients to do is not fool themselves into thinking that it's going to be easier than it is, or that they will have so much control over what they're doing. Because um, you know, it, psychologically and physiologically, it doesn't work that way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, human beings were were made uh, evolutionarily speaking to, after periods of deprivation, um, we were made to stock up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, and I'm going to just give one example is, um, have you ever been very lean and deep in a diet phase and notice how even your sense of smell changes? You can smell it. Oh, my
2: God, I can smell everything. I think that's already started this year a little bit. I think, you know, right before we gave myself a diet break, I'm pretty sure because I'm in the weeds already.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it it smell everything. And you you know it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. If you start to starve to death, it it would be helpful to have enhanced smell. You know, in in my 2013 contest prep, actually, I lived in the town where they. I lived in the town where they bake all of the Oreo cookies for the Midwest.
2: Oh God.
1: They would bake every Tuesday and Thursday, and the entire town would smell like Oreo cookies. (laughs) Um, Oh wow! But anyway. Oh, I I did, you know, I do usually give that advice to people after their contest breakfast. They're going to go enjoy, you know, a free meal is stick with something that has a finite amount. Um, It's uh, it's very difficult to put the brakes on when you are in that immediate aftermath of your diet. Um, So you need something to put the brakes on for you, if that makes sense. So if you order a burger and fries, the brakes are when the burger and fries are gone. Um,
2: right.
1: That, so, 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 I I always think of when it comes to a lot of binge eating type things. Um, it's very difficult to put the brakes on after when you're in diet, you know, post diet mode. Um, and so I, I I encourage people to think of it like that. So if I order a burger and fries, um, the brakes for my eating is when the meal is done. It would entail me hitting the gas again and <laughs> ordering another burger. Um, yes. Yeah. Usually, you, yeah, usually out of embarrassment of not doing it at the table, you won't do it. You know what I
2: mean? Exactly, right.
1: You know, and then it gives you time to, like, let's digest and come to your senses before you can get your hands on some more food. But like you said, pizza, you can keep grabbing slice after slice. And also, when there's something like pizza at the table, the people that haven't just competed. Oh, yeah, have, it's
2: all for you, Cliff. I end up eating so much more. It sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they say... <laughs> you earned it here you go um <laughs> so they, they mean well but they don't understand how difficult that situation is um, right that's also another reason i say don't stock up on the foods you want to eat for the show beforehand if you you cracked open that that those oreos that you're probably not going to stop until most of the package is gone also uh,
2: i just want to say you know, I know that we're different because I totally follow the cookie page on Instagram, although I mute them on prep because I just don't want to see that. My my feed during Instagram, like pro tips, anyone listening, <laughs> if you, if your entire Instagram feed is nothing but like food porn, you need to start clicking on random things to make it not that. Because my first prep, at the end of my prep, it was nothing but shredded girls and cookies with gooey Nutella centers, okay? And I was like, I can't handle this anymore it's so annoying so you know if you are somebody that's like so hungry at the end of your prep or whatever and you're like oh my gosh I just want to look at this cookie and this cookie dough and whatever you need to change that first of all and remove that but yeah I tried trying to throw that out there because that was something that was super challenging for me but definitely if you were also hoarding oreos I just want you to know there's there's way better things out there that you should probably get post-dieting phase that's that's all I wanted to say <laughs> <laughs>
1: I well, I think it's so funny. I mean, this is a total side, but it is also funny how your tastes tend to change over the. COVID. Oh yeah. Like I always want things. Well, I mean, here even I always want things that never sound good to me that I never eat. Yes. Um, and then also even the things that then sometimes I'll fool myself like oh okay, yeah I'll even give an example my 2016 contest prep I was I would sit down with this. this Bag of frozen mixed vegetables, and I would have it with my, you know, with my steak every every night for dinner. I used to rave about the the how sweet the carrots tasted, and how these (laughs) these vegetables were bursting with flavor. And I remember telling myself, you know, when I'm in my off season, all I need is this. I just want more of this. And I was like, these are just amazing, you know. And then now, once I'm in my off season. I'm like, this tastes like paper to me. I, I eat my vegetables for health purposes, but they taste like paper now.
2: <laughs> okay, so it's funny that you say that because I mean, I'm not gonna go into my macros because I don't think it, it matters, but I do have a few very low carb days. Um and I'm like, man, what the hell do I eat, right? Like, they're too low for potatoes, oats, anything like that. But I, like, miss that texture change because that's the hardest part when you can't eat carbs is the fact that they're gone. But it's like there's nothing that's crunchy or, I mean, yeah, vegetables kind of, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same texture feel. So, I want, like, all of the savory, sweet kind of combinations. I'm a spicy and a sweet person. Like, I'm the person that puts pineapple on their pizza. Sorry if that's weird to you. Um, But I've been doing, like, sauteed zucchini, shrimp, and then I will literally drizzle peanut butter on it. It sounds weird as shit, but I am telling you, I get, like, my savory my sweet my salt and I'm like okay well this is fine I could totally do this during my off season even though I know I won't like I mean I might but I'll just add sweet potatoes or something like that you know but yeah your taste gets so weird
1: yeah uh, I have always said that contest is a little bit like being pregnant like <laughs> you know what I mean um, Yeah water goes through you so fast you're peeing every five minutes your tastes get really weird Weird. people keep asking you how many weeks you know <laughs> um, oh
2: my god you're so right i mean i i thought about that too but the week thing is is hilarious
1: when's the um day? yeah <laughs> uh, oh my god well our bodies go through a lot of changes you know uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> except you're not getting bigger you're getting smaller hopefully um but, but no I, that's I, funny
1: i think that um you know, uh, post competition, one of the biggest, and this is easier said than done, especially somebody that hasn't done it before. But I always tell um, my clients to view the post diet phase as an extension of
2: yes. It.
1: Um, you spent we spend a lot of weeks putting structures in place uh, in our in our diets, and you cannot remove all of those structures. Things I would say that are are useful post-diet structures that I like to use, because also mentally you're not prepared for for those structures to just all go away. No. Just like
2: you're not prepared to eat intuitively, right? People think that, oh, after my diet, I I understand how to track. I can eat intuitively. No, 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 no. At a low, low body fat percentage, you're intuitively going to eat half a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts because you don't have hunger. Like your hunger cues are all fucked up too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to eat intuitively or instinctively, instincts will drive you to binge eat. And um, it's it's not an abnormal thing to have that feeling. And so I think that, um, you know, setting structures in place, like maybe only introducing one new food per week for the first few weeks after your diet, um, just eat a lot more of what you had been eating, and maybe one meal is changed out to something a little tastier. Um, Once again, it's kind of like a slow reintroduction of things. Um, so I would say that's something that's pretty good. Um, and, you know, just uh, maybe limiting how many times you're going out to eat, because also, I think people um, have this idea in their head that they have all these places they want to go out to eat now that their diet's over. And before you know it, you put on everything that you lost in a matter of a week or two.
2: <laughs> yep, you're not wrong, though. It's so true. Um, the posts show, you know, weight gain is real. And obviously, you have to be okay, understanding that you are going to gain some weight. Now, you can generally control how fast that happens, you know. Um, But I agree, you know, the self control, the willpower, all of that is so, so critical, especially I would say, the first four, really six weeks post show, because you know, while you are reverse dieting, Or even if it's a lifestyle client and let's say they are on a diet break, you know, a diet break doesn't mean literally that you're breaking from the diet, poor name choice, but it it just means you're, you're getting a little bit of a caloric boost, but that's not necessarily the time to say, oh, yay, I can like, you know, loosely track and like, you know, not really weigh my peanut butter anymore. I mean, that's, you, you need to be on point because you don't want to undo the work and you don't want to get too far away from, from the goal. You know I mean? We just did that too, right? You know, we, we took a little bit of a break because of COVID. We're going back into prep. Um, but I, it wasn't a free-for-all for me to just eat whatever I wanted for a month.
1: You got a, you got a diet relax, relaxing or a diet easing. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I think the, big, the, the thing that really uh, I get worried about, if we're going to talk about red flags for post-competition phase, when we are still in the diet, when I have somebody say to me, um, you know, after the show is over, I really want to take maybe a week or two, not count my macros, and just, no. I, I say, and they say, I just want to enjoy myself a bit. Oh. I, You know, the funny thing is, it sounds so harmless, I just want, no.
2: to a bit. <laughs> so, so,
1: just want to enjoy myself a bit. And I feel like sometimes I sound like a conspiracy theorist to my newer clients, because, like, they really mean it. They're not, like, you know they're not trying to pull one over on me. They mean it. They they they're like, I'm just going to go out to eat and have a little bit of these foods that I haven't had in a while, and they genuinely believe that's what's going to happen. And meanwhile, there's me with my tinfoil hat going, no, you know that's that's not going to happen at all. Yeah,
2: it's a slippery slope. It's not going to happen. And if you are somebody that feels so restricted that you have to say, you know, you need to take a break. I mean, just know that when you commit to a diet, when the diet is over it's really just phase one phase two like you said is the you know the immediate after the diet part right um yeah
1: you, you need to think of your diet like the covid reopening strategies <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> and i know but um <laughs> depending on who you ask <laughs> but um I think you need to, in your own mind, do not belittle how difficult that post-contest is um, yeah. because, honestly, that's where the downfall happens is when people um, <clears throat> people think it's just going to be easy. They're just going to be able to snap right out of it and go right back to normal. Um, I think people, depending on how far down you diet, I think some people I agree. stop at how long it takes. With, get back to normal yeah i mean now granted i get very very lean for my shows um for for those for those that haven't seen my photos when i'm talking yeah back, you do i look i look a little scary um,
2: shreddy af and you're like before and afters that are just you flexing or different lighting or crazy like you with a pump and you not with a pump it's, it's great go check out cliff on instagram
1: <laughs> i i i have a little bit of a chameleon physique i always say um so uh but at least for myself I think around seven or eight weeks, let's say eight weeks post-show, that's two months, I'll be telling myself, okay, I feel like I'm finally feeling good, feeling normal again. And then maybe like, you know, four months post-show. Then I'm like, oh wait, that wasn't normal. This is actually what true normal feels like. Like, you actually start to lose a little bit of like, what normal feels like in that. Totally. When I say normal, where you could have one piece of pizza and not necessarily feel this. I'll say this way two months post show, I could have one piece of pizza and I would have the urge to keep going, but I can I can comfortably be like, ah, I, I'm fine, you know. But four months post show, I could have one piece of pizza and genuinely be fine. And not have to have this like internal battle with myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: no, it's true, yeah. And I mean, we can have a whole entire separate podcast and maybe we should about, you know, off seasons, because I think that that is something that competitors struggle with in particular, um, not lifestyle clients, sorry guys, but you know, competitors thinking that, um, they can take four months off and they're ready to diet again. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, like, I want to definitely put a pin in that because I think that that would be a great topic. Um, But, you know, just circling back to kind of why we did this and just, you know, I think people come to me, um, especially lifestyle clients, and their initial goal is they want to lose weight, yet they are not even eating enough calorically. They've never reverse dieted. They have very, very poor body image, um, and they, they don't understand meal timing or any of that, right? And so just building those amazing habits for several months, maybe even six months or so, you know, there is no link to a maintenance phase or a reverse diet. Um, but making sure all of those great habits are in place so that your diet does not need to be any longer than it has to. Yes. Everyone will diet at a different rate. Everybody will lose, uh, lose weight at different paces, um, but there is no need to diet um, for lifestyle clients for like, you know, half a year or anything crazy like that. And so just know that, like, if you are entering a diet phase, you will have to say no to some things. You will have to have that kind of all-or-nothing mentality, goals in mind, goals in check. Um, but, you know, just I think that the mindset is so, so important, um, and I, that's why I wanted to talk with you about that.
1: No, I, I appreciate you having me on because I, I do think it's, you know, it's interesting, like I said, everybody has their own their own struggles. Um even the people that generally seem to make the process look easy don't be fooled. They have their own internal battles that they have to fight off. I think that I think the dieting process, if you work towards it, can actually be a very um, self awakening process if you allow it to be. Where you mm-hmm. start, so I tend to because everybody has those pitfalls. Maybe they're maybe they're not as motivated in some areas, or they're not as confident in some areas, not as resilient, um, whatever it may be. Um, and so it's like, it becomes a matter of finding what your, what your weakness is in that mentality aspect, and then starting to, um, build yourself up. And, and, you know, at least if you're, if you're doing it right, I think dieting, I think dieting, and I say dieting, repeated dieting, you know, when you diet maybe this year and when you diet next year, or two years from now, or whatever it may be, dieting has a way to where it will either, you do it wrong, it will break you down time after time. I think we've seen people that get a fear of dieting because they failed so many times. Right. Do it right. I feel like it can build you up and empower you to show you that you have control over these things. And so I think it's, you know, that mental aspect is so important because it's, it can become a think process can become a real, a tool of strengthening you mentally. But if you're not careful, it can be a tool that breaks you down over time as well.
2: Totally. Is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: No, no, I, I think, I think, We covered most of it, and I just appreciate you having me on.
2: Oh my gosh, of course! I really selfishly want you to come to my show in Dallas, but I feel like that may not happen. (laughs) 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 Traveling is so crazy this year. Yeah, right.
1: uh, The travel has been pretty
2: nuts. um, I know.
1: I know. A two-year-old with me, and she'll just see. We'll see her run backstage or something.
2: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Too funny. Oh my gosh. Well, Cliff, I'm sure I will talk to you soon, but I appreciate you and yeah, have a good one.
1: All right. Thank you.
2: Bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for any nutrition coaching, programming, or a combination, head over to tailoredtraining.com. You can always send me an email at trainwithtaylor@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at TaylorFit.